Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Welcome, everyone, to today's podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to this guest. This guest that we have on is a medium. Now, I know we've talked to a couple, but this medium is going to answer some questions that I needed some answers to and questions that I've never asked a medium before on this show. So I am so excited that you're listening right now because I have a feeling you're going to learn some new stuff with me today. My guest today is Hollister Rand. You may have heard of her before. She has provided detailed messages from spirits for more than 25 years. I think probably one of the best in the business here. So it's really an honor to have her here. Her latest book, which is what we're going to be talking about, Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife But Were Too Afraid to Ask, is available. I got a chance to read a copy of it. And like I said, I learned a lot. I learned some new stuff. Her work on television includes Tori and Dean, Home Sweet Hollywood, and America Now. Hollister's radio appearances include Sirius XM, John Edward Psychic Radio, KOST FM, Angels in Waiting, K Big 104 Radio, K, K Big 104 Radio Medium, and Coast to Coast AM with George Nori. And I'm sure somebody out there listening, you guys have probably heard of at least one, if not all of those. During her marriage to her college sweetheart and fellow medium, James Van Prague, Hollister's passion for spirit communication blossomed. Following their divorce, Hollister expanded her dedication to the healing work of mediumship with events and workshops in the U.S. and abroad. It has been her honor to work with respected mediums, including Robert Brown, who actually I've never heard of. Not sure who Robert Brown is, but I have heard of John Edward, with whom you've worked with. And... This I love. She lives in L.A., right, Los Angeles, but has two really cute pups and dogs that you could see um, pictures on her website. I'm a dog lover. I have two that might bark during this podcast, Bodhi and Amara or Amara. So Hollister, welcome to the Pamp Loving Podcast. Well, thank you for that extensive introduction. More information than I think I even want to know about myself. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. But one of the things you said really caused me to celebrate, which was that you have been talking to other mediums on this podcast. Absolutely. That is very exciting because when I first started doing mediumship, there really weren't that many. It was early days. Now with the popularity and the increased uh, interest in the subject and maybe even the need for it and the workshops that I've done helping other people to develop their intuition and their connection to spirit. I am delighted to see where we are today. Yeah, I would say so too. And, but you know what, with that in where we are today, there can also be an oversaturation of mediums, you know, and some of my work and what I try to do on this podcast is to really try to find the real credible ones 
that I can introduce my guests to, to make sure that they are really working with people who have a passion for this, who are connected with their hearts, that they're kind of not one of these people like, oh, you know what, there might be a curse on you. And if you want me to remove that, then you're going to have to pay me $400, you know? And, you know, so I think that, you know, being in this field as a medium and for as long as you have too, I also think that, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but those of you who are in the field probably have much more credibility. But I think that now, because there are so many people opening to their gifts and then wanting to do mediumship readings, that credibility really needs to be established too, you know, and, you know, how do you choose the right person? And sometimes I have found it's more word of mouth, right? You get, you know, a recommendation from a friend who really had an outrageous reading by somebody and that can make you trust the medium, you know, moving forward. But I do think that we have to be cautious in this field because I have run into, you know, some that kind of abuse this field in this area and can kind of sit here and give you a bunch of different messages. But is not evidential. And I think there's a big difference between the evidential mediums who can really give you specific details as opposed to, oh, I see your grandmother and she loves you and she's so proud of you and she misses you so much. And I see her in the kitchen wearing an apron and her grandma, her mother must be passed too, right? You know, by like judging your age. So I do think that we have to pay attention to who's credible in this field. And I do feel that you are one of those. Well, I appreciate that. And one of the reasons I love to teach is I really like to work with people so that they can begin to trust their own intuition, their connection with spirit and practice and also get feedback. We talk about the idea of five pieces of evidence before you get a message like, oh, she loves you. But what are the five, you know, what are five things? Personality, name, location hobby, you know, intellectual exercise, whatever those identifiers are. I call them identifiers. And that kind of thing allows people to recognize that the information they're, they're receiving is from the person that they love. You know, it's very important to know the source of your information. So that's one of the reasons why I deal with questions in the book, like what's the difference between a psychic and a medium? You know, where is it that you're getting your information? And I think one of the, the most exciting things about my work is when, when mediumship has moved into physical mediumship, where spirits have even spoken for themselves. So I was doing a gallery event and a gallery event is when there are, you know, a number of people sitting in front of you. The, the medium is up on a platform coming to people in the group. And I came to one woman who would not respond at all, even to the name of the person who was there, the description of the person, nothing. And I thought, well, I don't even know what to do with that. So I started to turn away. And as I did, everyone in the audience heard the words, I'm here. Everybody heard it. It was not just my experience. It was direct voice from the spirit. And in that, and, and the woman then acknowledged that she knew this spirit, but was not necessarily open to speaking with him in a group. Now, what I have discovered at the frequency of divine love is that the spirits do not embarrass us. They don't, you know, skeletons don't come flying out of the closet. So it surprised me that in front of a group, 
a spirit would be that definitive kind of in your face. But then I understood why, because after that message, when we were all kind of gobsmacked, by the way, and no one ran from the room, which was surprising. <laughs> I was going to be like the first one out. But then the, the person I came to shortly after, a woman who had lost her husband in a terrible boating accident. She had suffered for 25 years, I think it was. It was a long time thinking that he was never close to her, that she would never hear from, from him. But in that demonstration of a spirit, irrefutable evidence that we had someone in the room who was not us, all of a sudden she was open to the possibility that, wait a minute, maybe I can have communication. And that kind of thing really excites me. Yeah. Oh, it excites me too, actually. Ooh, we I have are, such chills just even talking about it. I know. This year, um, Mike and I, who is also part of Path 11 TV, we are, well, we've already made three documentaries on consciousness, but our next one is on after-death communication. So we're uh -huh. really excited. And, you know, it's just kind of fascinating and also trying to not say that we have to prove it or disprove it per se, but like looking at all of this evidence that is there and now researchers and scientists who are trying to develop tools, you know, to help with communication, like a medium is a tool. You're, you are like a spiritual tool to connect to the other side, you know, but now they're making a lot of advances, you know, in technology too. And so I love this subject and it gets me really excited. So, so glad you're here. Now, how did you get into this? A lot of the mediums that I have talked to tend to grow up in families um, that have some sort of intuitive ability or nature or, or, you know, it's just kind of inherent in them. You know, did you always know that you had this type of ability or did it developed more when you were married to James? Well, what I would say is that mediums are both born and they're made. So in my journey, toward all of this. I saw spirits when I was young. It never occurred to me that I was different. I thought everybody could, you know, I thought everybody was having my experience, but I think all of us kind of think that way. So I just expected everybody was seeing who I was seeing, feeling what I was feeling, communicating in some way. And I could not understand the concept of death. It was sort of beyond my understanding. And then I realized, wait a minute, it's not okay to talk about all of these spirits. So that is one very, very big difference, I think, overall between my growing up experience and the experience of many today. The idea of allowing children and having it be okay that they see spirits in, and being in families where, oh my goodness, you know, people don't freak out. So. That is a big change that I have seen. I did my best to sort of shut down communication with the spirits. It was intrusive at one point in my life. I didn't know how to manage it. And then following a car accident, I had no ability to shut it down. And fortunately, when I moved out to L.A. and uh, James Van Prague was living and working out, out here then, and, and through him, I met wonderful, wonderful mediums, English mediums, Robert Brown being one of them. And, and through all of those experiences, I was able to step out from sort of behind the scenes because I was always a supporter of, of the mediums. I loved it, but it's okay for them to be out front. I kind of wanted to be behind the scenes supporting everyone. 
And then all of a sudden, a friend of mine said, you know what? You need to be doing this too. And so that's what started my willingness to step into the role of medium. Yeah. Awesome. So your book, you have it there, right? Do you want to hold yeah. it up for those who are watching this video on Path Lemon TV? Everything you wanted to know about the afterlife, but were afraid to ask. You know, it kind of has, and I don't know if this is the television show. Do you, do you remember I Dream of Jeannie? Yes. Like these bubbles that you have, it's the illustration. I'm like, where have I seen something similar to this before that has, I don't know if it's I Dream of Jeannie or if I'm thinking of something else in that time era. But yeah, it kind of it's like we definitely it's a flashback to another time. And that okay. was on purpose. OK, all right. All right. Well, I picked up on it. I'm like, what is this? This is reminding me of something. But love it. It's fun. You know, it has like it brings a nice energy. It's very uplifting and fun, you know, as you're kind of moving through the book. And, you know, as I was going through it and. You know, I'm reading, it's basically broken up into, I guess, about 62 chapters or 62 questions, you know, that, and as I started reading it, I'm like, oh my God, I bet these are questions that Hollister gets all the time from people who either come to her, come to her events or whatever. And I used to have a ton of these questions as well. And these are like the main 62 questions that I guess we talk a lot about when we're talking about the spirit world or the afterlife here on her podcast. And so I, I went through them and there were six that really stood out to me that I was like, huh, I don't know if anyone's ever answered that question for me before. And I thought that there were a few here that were really interesting. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to kind of, if we can get through all of them, you know, touch upon these that I don't think my listeners have heard the hands, answers to either and thought that that would be kind of fun to do. So are you ready? All right. I'm ready. I feel like I'm on a game show. I know. <laughs> question, please. Okay. So this one's kind of a serious one, but it was like, wow, this was really impactful. What a great question. And it made me think of really probably more tragic accidents. People who die all die together in planes or in cars. And one of the questions was when multiple people die at the same time, do they share the dying experience? And so, you know, that got me thinking to just about the different types of death and when people die in clusters or, you know, like 9-11 that we have or, you know, potentially war if, you know, all people are in an IED explosion, you know, in their vehicle, do they have the same, you know, shared death experience or dying experience? So I'd love for you to answer that question. Well, considering what has gone on in the world in the last two years and what is going on now, I think that that is such a question. And I remember through the AIDS epidemic, you know, wondering, you know, have all of these people chosen to die during this time? You know, what is this all about? And so there are things that are shared and other things that are not necessarily shared. So I'm thinking of, uh, I knew a family that went down in a plane together and they were all together and, you know, holding hands and, you know, all of this kind of thing. So in that sense, often the experience prior to death can be similar, but it's very individual. And where I would discuss this is in the current pandemic that we've had. Now, I've been sitting here right where I'm sitting now, talking with people for the last two years. The book was uh, released in 2020, May of 2020. All of my book events were canceled. All of my in-person travel was canceled. I did as much as I could 
on Zoom. And then I started speaking with people in spirit who had passed with COVID or COVID-related things. But what was so intriguing to me was they didn't say COVID. And I Mm. thought, what on earth is going on? Why don't they just say COVID and then we get it? (laughs) But no, each person gave me a specific dying experience. And what I came to understand is when a death is labeled, we then make all sorts of assumptions about that dying experience. And it truly is individual. It is special. And we can't lump in one person who has passed with COVID with 900 plus thousand people because it begins to lose the individuality and the connection that we have. So people will bring through their, the specific details of their passing with this situation. And it has been very different. I've spoken with a, a young man in his 40s. Well, he's young to me anyway, but a a young man in his 40s who seemed to be fine and died of a heart complication, you know, spurred on by a COVID infection. So the way people die is very individual, even if it is also collective. And I hope that that helps. Yeah. And probably so interesting, right? You've been doing this for so many years and yet, you know, it feels to me like you're still learning about it too. It's just kind of like made this connection. Yes. And that's something that I would say in, in response to what you were talking about earlier, which is mediums who may not always be in it for the right reasons or things like that. If you have a willingness to work at the frequency of love, you know, you talked about that heart space. Well, I work at the frequency of divine love, which is kind of that all-encompassing love, not a fractured love, a filial love, a romantic love, you know, in that space. But one of the keys is to be willing to learn something new, not have some level of success with the way you connect that you aren't willing to expand because you'll be very limited. So When I've taught mediumship, we work with people so that they can develop clairvoyance if they don't see, clairaudience if they haven't heard before, and be willing to fail at it and work with people who can provide feedback so that you're like, oh, when I feel that, it means this. And always being willing to learn more. I am curious. And when people say, Hollister, what's the number one indicator of a medium that has the ability to keep growing? I say curiosity. Mm-hmm. Number one quality. Yeah. I Plus, you have to really love people. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. sister once said, you're so social, you don't care if they're dead or alive. I mean, <laughs> there's some truth to that. Um, yeah. Have to be curious about people, how the world works, how the afterlife works. Curiosity is key. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, to follow up with what we were just talking about, about multiple people dying and, you know, these spirits not calling it COVID, but really um, talking about their unique death experience. Um, this ties into another question. Hold on. I, ha- I wrote them in strange order. Can a spirit well, leave a the body? One of the things I did in the book, because you're talking yeah. about a strange order, is yeah. I did categorize it. You know, yes, good. I picked them out. (laughs) Yeah. But then after each question, 
there was an indication of you're interested in this, maybe look at this question. So we did it almost like a Google search yeah. in some way so that, you know, people could read it straight through or choose what they liked. Exactly. Subjects they liked. Yeah. So and I have a list of one through six, but I started at four. So that's why I'm like, okay, hold on. But so this question um, kind of ties into the COVID experience and maybe some of the trauma that family members mm. have experienced about their loved one dying alone in the hospital and not being there at the bedside. And one of the questions that you answered in your book is, can a spirit leave a body before it dies? But I'm also curious to know if if you've had the experience to read anybody in spirit that maybe was in a hospital that did not have their family around them. And can we, you know, provide, I think I know a little bit of the answer to this question, but really want to hear your opinion if you're communicating with these spirits about bringing some peace to family that might be traumatized by that and really understanding the death experience of how nobody really ever dies alone. Yeah, there's this saying that we, that we bandy about. You're born alone, you die alone. That, that couldn't be a bigger crock than any other crock I've ever heard. <laughs> the truth is we are not born alone, nor do we die alone. But I think that we have an idea of closure and what that looks like, that we need to be present with someone for them to be comforted. We also need to be there for us. And when that doesn't happen, it feels as though that final cinematic moment of life is stolen along with the life that's taken. So it feels almost like a double whammy and as though we who are left behind have failed. And where I have found this to be most true is with suicides. If I had been there, if I had had the conversation, if I had picked up the phone, if I had done something differently, that person would be alive. And having experienced that in my own family, I understand the trauma around the kind of death where you feel you could have helped a loved one and weren't there. Now, I was with my mother when she died. And even being a medium, it was the weirdest thing. I knew my loved ones were there with my mother, yet I couldn't see them. I thought, what on earth? I can do this for other people. Yet right now here with my mother, I cannot. So I just started singing. Every song that, my that I remembered that my mother and I used to perform together when I was young. And then I would say, Mom, I know Nets here. I know this person's here. And I would say that. So I had that experience with my mother, but it wasn't the one I expected. So that's the first thing is what we expect and what we tell ourselves around death and dying just isn't the case. I have had spirits who will say, you sat by my bedside. This would be to the sitter. You sat by my bedside. It looked awful. I was screaming. I was having trouble breathing. It looked like I was fighting. But I was watching the body do that. Wow. So there is this level of grace. And, and the, spare, the body is going to do what the body's going to do. And the body's purpose is to stay alive. That's what bodies do. The spirit has an entirely different agenda sometimes. So in that sense, the spirit may be right there by you. And 
in the process of dying, and in my book, I talk about this, there was a gentleman whose wife had a session with me and, and mentioned to me that he kept staring up in the corner of the room and that his mother was with him at the end. Well, it turns out that not only his wife said, yeah, we couldn't even get him to look at us. He kept looking <laughs> yeah. up in that corner. And, and she said, and I seemed to think that it was his mother who was there and the mother, of course, and he confirmed that. But there's now a spot on their ceiling. The, the paint is discolored wow. because of the energy around that space. No one dies alone. No one dies alone. And the pain and the distress that we assume someone is suffering may not be the case. Right. Yeah. And I know this question gets asked all the time. It's not one that I have down on my list, but, you know, people always wonder, are they okay? Are they in pain? You know, and so you pretty much answered that question, you know, as well. And you also answered the question, can a spirit leave the body before it dies? So, you know, in those examples, it's kind of like here we're seeing them in the physical or maybe, you know, in a tragic accident. Maybe the plane is going down. Maybe the spirit, you know, can actually leave the body before the plane crashes. And we're imagining this whole horrific scene that's happening and that they experience this impact and maybe they felt their body burning or, you know, what, what our mind can do to create this death to be very gruesome and traumatic and then traumatize ourselves, you know, in it. But it's really, I think, reassuring to hear and to know that a spirit can leave a body before it dies. Well, much of my work is about rewriting the stories that we tell ourselves from the spirit's perspective. Mm. You know, my, part of my work is, is allowing them to make things clear, to clear things up, because what we tell ourselves can be very, very powerful and can cause us to feel separated from our loved ones. And as part of the connection process, releasing these things that we tell ourselves, which are patently untrue, can be a great help. Yeah. You also really kind of amazing stories. And let me see if I, let me get the question specifically, and you might be able to find it a little quicker than I do, but it's about transsexual and transgender spirits. And I forget the question. I, didn't, I just scribbled it in my handwriting here, but can you talk a little bit about some of the readings that you've done, like, is there sexuality, you know, does that come through in a reading if a person, you know, was transsexual, transgender in this life and then transitions, how do they come through? Do they, do they come through as their, what their biological sexual orientation was, or if they, you know, made the change and died as a female or a male but they were born a different one. How, do, how does that work? And uh, this is, you know, this is so interesting. Yeah, this I found it whole really subject. And where I first started coming into the understanding of all of this was in teaching classes. Sometimes students were having real trouble identifying, you know, say they didn't see a person you know, and they were just going by feelings. So they're, you know, their clairsentience feels like a male. Well, it turns out may feel like a male, but it was actually genetically a female. So I first started to, so of course, the one thing you start doing with students is, okay, so now let's work on our clairvoyance so we can also see. So you can, okay, I see a male body, but I 
feel a feminine energy or I see a female body, but I feel a male energy with this person. So you begin to get a fuller picture of, of the person you're speaking with in spirit, because all of us have masculine, feminine qualities, you know, and so energy is not gender. And gender isn't certain qualities. So it's really very tricky as a medium. But where this has been extremely interesting are the times when a, well, one time a well-known, I, I don't know if she was actually transgender or if she was a pioneer. She, she was genetically a male but was involved with Andy Warhol and all of this kind of thing. And, and it's on my podcast, the actual connection with her in spirit. So with the person who knew her, that kind of thing was fascinating because she came as a diva. She came as a woman, but she came as an overblown personality. I would never in one moment had said she was ever a male, even if she was still anatomically a male. So the energy, the way she was dressed, incredible. Then in another session, I was speaking with a mother and mentioned uh, a daughter in spirit. She would not own that she had a daughter in spirit. And then I mentioned a name and she said, that's my son. And then it, be it was understood that the son had become the daughter. You see, the interesting thing about spirits is they can be all of themselves, all at the same time. They can be everything along their entire timeline. They can be a child. They can be a young adult. They can be a married person. They can be a mother. And they can appear as they choose at any point along that timeline. So that includes expressions of gender. Right. Because, and, and other roles. So it's fascinating. I will have, and this happened, I had three sisters in a session with the same mother, but the mother, as she appeared to each of them, was completely different and different with how she related to each of them. So the idea that we're one thing and we stop being that thing and then we're the other, it isn't that way. It falls along a timeline here on this earth plane. But when we're discussing life with the spirits, it all exists at the same time. Wow. Oh my God. I love these stories. Thank you. Why? I mean, I get to live it. It's so fascinating. It, it really is. Yeah. The other, the other question that I saw was a really good one. And I feel like I've had, uh, or I've either heard people ask this at events that I've been to before with the gallery readings, reincarnation, right? This kind of gets a little bit deeper, maybe into consciousness and evolution of consciousness and you know if there is such thing as reincarnation is my loved one already reincarnated when i die and do i miss them do i get the chance to communicate with them are they still there if they if their soul is in another body in another lifetime i know that this can kind of get into multiple dimensions and multiple lives happening simultaneously but would love to hear what you say about that well I don't know everything <laughs> that, and I'm not a past life regressionist, you know, and this is not my specialty. So I can only speak to what I know. Yeah. So 
it's limited. So I just want to be clear that I am not the last word on all of this, but I can report what I have discovered and what spirits have said to me. So the first order of business, let's cut to the chase. We are not separated from our loved ones, period. No matter what the machinations are of the universe ultimately, and what we may come to understand, which with our limited brain capacity at this time, we do not understand. Um, the one thing I do know irrefutably is we are not separated from those we love. So that's where I start from. Now, whether I'm speaking to, so when I'm speaking with a spirit, it's very specifically that spirit and that relationship I'm connecting with. I am not connecting with a mother who had lo has lost a son and that son comes to me as a Roman soldier. You know, she would say, that's not my son. Now, he may have very well loved things Italian or loved ancient Rome or been a history buff, and that will show up in the message. Mm -hmm. And perhaps maybe even they were together in those times and all of that. And some of those things will show up. And I will see people in groups bracketed over their heads energetically. And even if they are not genetically connected, I might say to them, you feel like sisters, like you knew each other right from the time you met. Absolutely. Whenever I see those brackets, it's almost like those people came together in this life. They're going through this experience together, no matter what their DNA says, you know. So I see a lot of glimmers of this. So what I would say is when I connect with the spirit, it is very specifically the spirit that the sitter would recognize in the incarnation in which they were together. Makes sense. And, and one of the reasons I think the spirits do not say things to me like, well, I'm reincarnated and living as a dog in Cincinnati, because you do not want the one who loves you running to Cincinnati and looking at every dog shelter, because that really may not be the truth. And if we think about reincarnation, and we think about a new life that we may choose. We, there may be things that we choose very specifically different from how we were. Right. We would not be recognizable. They even clone, you know, I, I think it was Barbara Streisand cloned her dogs and then admitted that the dogs were not the dogs she loved. You know, you just, you, you cannot do a DNA match and you cannot necessarily even do a spirit match to a new body. It's meant to be a new life and a new experience. So where spirit takes me is one-on-one -on -one with the spirit we know and love, the one we will never be separated from no matter what. Right. And that makes sense because, you know, that's also a little bit of their blueprint. That's the information that you'll be able to connect with, not, not necessarily even if they had a past life with them per se, but it's like the information of this lifetime in this relationship now that would be coming through because that's also what's relevant. You know, that's the relevant information. I had a really interesting, as we're kind of speaking about reincarnation, but just a story to tell and see what you think about this. It was really wild. So I do energy work and have, I've been a mental health therapist for over 20 years, but have kind of moved more into the field of what we're doing here and healing. And I had a, a client recently who had a medical condition in this lifetime that was real, that affected some of her anatomy in the root chakra area, you know, and affecting legs and things of this sort. 
And when I had put my hands on her, I had automatically saw, had a very visual past life image of her being a soldier in war and her legs being blown up. And, you know, it was just kind of looking at that, make, you know, understanding that, seeing, you know, if we can bring some closure, some healing to the way that that death happened, you know, in this lifetime. So this was one session with her, you know, just kind of working on it, didn't think much of it, didn't even share it with her at the time. And then she came back for another session and her symptoms had improved and, and all of this. And then the soldier shows up in our session and gives me a name, Ralph Jackson, World War III. And again, like in this energy healing, we're reconstructing the legs of the soldier, even though this is her body, you know, but as in the prior session of doing some reconstruction of this moment in time of this traumatic death, if this was indeed her in another lifetime, you know, her symptoms improve. So, okay, well, let's try this again. So in this other session, right, I get a very clear name, World War III, you know, we talk a little bit about the session and reconstructing, you know, what has happened and giving thanks and the soldiers like saluting to me and off he goes. But in the session, I would, sometimes I could have mediumship experiences, but don't consider myself, you know, a medium. I said, oh, do you know anybody by the name of Ralph? Because I'm thinking this is so specific. Am I seeing her past life? Is this her spirits in the past life, or does she know this person? Doesn't know anyone. So I said, all right, well, look, can we just look this up? So of course, turn to Google, Ralph Jackson, World War III. And don't you know, there are three images of three different men. And there was one that I could pinpoint that looked exactly like him. So again, like this is, I don't know exactly how this relates to mediumship, but it was a really interesting experience to kind of see this consciousness in a different space and time, a different gender, a different experience, yet there was something very connected to this lifetime in this person's body here and now. And they, they, they're both Italian. We're speaking about Italians, right? And, uh, you know, have like some of the same features. So it was just, you know, really interesting to have that communication, but dealing with a real human being, but that consciousness in this lifetime and another la- lifetime. It was really just amazing. I don't know if you've, we're kind of talking about that reincarnation, if you've had any strange experiences like that, where maybe you didn't yeah, like. Yes. Well, first of all, I want to ask you, you were saying World War Three. Were you oh, not World War Two. No, World War Two. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Well, you know who's talking about? I was wondering. Oh, is she talking about the future? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. It's World War Two. We were what? Yeah. But this is the thing: is everything does exist at the same time. Yeah. And what the spirits have shown me is the healing that takes place here on the Earth plane affects past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. So that healing healed that soldier. You know, healed that imprint. You know, and whether she was that soldier or not, for because sometimes what I will see is it's hereditary trauma. Mm. And so I once spoke with us with a, a person who came to see me, and I think it was a son was suffering in the hospital with a leg that had to be amputated, and they couldn't find any real reason other than it was like shriveling up. Well, it turns out that there had been that in their family, that every generation someone had had a leg blown up or lost it due to diabetes or, you know, there was always that kind of thing. And so there, it begins to be built into the full experience of the family. 
which has caused me to even rethink ideas of karma and and how things in families are brought down through the DNA and how trauma sets into the body and then can alter our DNA so that until someone says, okay, it stops with me here, uh, these things will continue. So yes, I have had experiences like that, but that's really exciting because what it says is we're all connected, that we are all of who we always were, that healing is always an option and that it reverberates throughout history. Then it's just never the end. And I love that you're kind of talking about this ancestral connection because what, have you also found that as, say, a person heals here, their loved one is passed, but if they're, they're doing work, doing soul work, maybe they're practicing forgiveness, you know, or really trying to work on the relationship in spirit, that that is having some sort of ripple effect for that soul's consciousness that is in spirit to also help them evolve, even though they're in spirit that the work that we do connected to our ancestors. And if I'm healing myself, like you said, it stops here with me, or, you know, I'm going to give forgiveness to all of my ancestors and release them from this anger that I have, that I think they messed up my life, <laughs> you know, that that allows them to also heal and kind of send that down into the generations that, like you said, came before us and who will come after us. I do think this is the great purpose of incarnation. It is the opportunity to bring wholeness to a race, to a world, to consciousness, to a place where we can then collectively move to higher levels. This idea of bringing healing, and I see this all the time. I work at the frequency of divine love. So what I tell clients is, even if you had a difficult time with someone while they were here on this earth plane, if they are able to speak with me during this time, they are now capable of functioning at the frequency of love. Oh, that's that's where we're meeting. Mm. If they are not in that space, we will not be having a conversation with them. So we can set aside fear. Mm -hmm. And what is astonishing to me, reading after reading, is the gratitude that comes from spirit for the work that people are doing here. And it may not even be about the spirit. You know, the, the work that people are doing may not be about making the spirit's life better. It's about not carrying the burden, the unwanted inheritance, let's say, whether it be addiction, whether it be you know, some level of abuse or not valuing oneself, not being able to love yourself or not having boundaries or whatever that looks like, whatever the manifestation is, that's what we're working on here. And it's not only a ripple effect. It's like a, everything just, it's, it's like a puzzle that is put together in an instant. All of these fractured pieces all over the place. And as soon as there's a healing that takes place, it's like, wham, all of a sudden, a gorgeous, gorgeous, harmonious picture. Yeah. And what a blessing that you get to witness that probably with so many people, you know, to kind of see that aha moment or see that puzzle 
you know, get put together, you know, in front of your eyes. Sometimes I see it and sometimes I don't Mm -hmm. because sometimes it is a process for people. Sure. Things make sense after. After. Yeah. Or, you know, because as a medium, I don't own someone's experience with (laughs) their spirit. And I, and I can only answer and speak to it as I have in books and sharing things that have happened. But I have to say that it really goes beyond the medium, well beyond the medium. And as you said, we're kind of like tools. So you can think of me as a shovel, a trowel, maybe, maybe a nicely dressed one, but that's not the case. I like a little blame. But other than that, yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Let me see. I know we're running short on time here. This was a fun one. Does romantic love exist in the afterlife? We touched a little bit on the idea of love, the big love, the all-inclusive love. So what I would say about romance in the afterlife, you know, when people ask me that question, I know they really want to know, is there sex in the afterlife? That's really, that's like the undertone of that question. And so... You can read the book and find out about that. This is like a G-rated show, not a PG. But anyway, the idea of romantic love, that is part of big love. So what I would say in the afterlife is that there isn't the separation that we experience here on this earth plane, where we have to find a way to connect through some sort of love and identify what that love is. I love you like a sister. I love you like a daughter. I love you like a mother. I love you romantically. And all of that entails. When we are in afterlife, we are in love. That's where we reside. And so all aspects of love are there, but it's really where the sum is far greater than the parts. Yeah. Well, my husband had asked me, he said, well, when we die, he's like, how will we find each other in the afterlife? And is there a way for us to plant clues now to make sure that we can come back again together? You do not have to worry about that. It's like that. But I'm warning everyone that I am coming, that in afterlife, I'm going to look like a supermodel. So I just want to let everybody know that I might not look like this. You know, if they see someone gorgeous, that would be me. So, you know, just say, oh, is that Hollister? Yes. Right. So, but it's it's an energetic thing. Right. You know, it's the kind of thing when you're in a room, your eyes are closed and someone you love walks in, you know they're there. Or they're thinking about you in a different place and you feel it. Mm-hmm. There is no, this is what I'm saying, there's no way to miss each other. It's not like the afterlife is a revolving door and you've got one person going in, one person coming out. You know, it's just not set up that way. We're not set up to miss each other and disconnect. The whole, the whole universe, everything in it, consciousness is all about connection. Love it. Thank you. So can we, as we're kind of rounding out our conversation, do you want to share with people your offerings? And, you know, it sounds like you're teaching classes. Are you, do you still do one-on-one consultations and readings for people? Yeah, so I do groups online. Everything still is online right now. And that 
hopefully is going to change in the months ahead. So yes, I do things via Zoom, by phone, and I do hope to be teaching in person at some point. But yes, I am available at hollisterrand.com. You can find out everything that I do. I do have some offerings for teaching online. I do think I'm going to step it up this year and be more intense. But right now, a good introduction to my work is the book, Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife but we're afraid to ask. Yeah. And I'm telling you guys, there are tons of questions in here. You're going to absolutely love it. I think all of your all of your questions will be answered with this one book. So this is like the go-to encyclopedia book of all the questions that you've ever had. Uh, Hollister, it's been such a pleasure to meet you and to be in your presence and to talk with you and to get some of my questions um, answered here. So thank you so much for putting together such a comprehensive, great book. It's a lot of fun uh, to read. It's easy. You know, like you said, there's so many different ways you could do it. You can read it from cover to end or you go into the contents. What do you want to know? And we didn't even get into some of the bigger, you know, questions towards the end here. But like I said, I really wanted to cover some things that I haven't asked anyone before. So thank you for being so generous and answering some of these questions. And I hope everyone at home learned something new today. And now I've introduced you to another medium for you to add to your list take a class, go over to her website, buy the book, you know, support the authors. If you get the book, if you love it, do the review on Amazon. I know that that helps everyone as well. And, and I hope you all are doing well and I will bring you an, another amazing guest next week. So Hollister, thanks again. And I will talk to everyone next week. Bye everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com and be sure to use coupon code podcast30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.